Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Due to the length of the lesson, uh, you, are, you may sit down today, uh, but it will be all of Genesis 3. Uh, nevertheless, listen now to the Word of God. And now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me She gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures, and upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will strike your head, and you shall strike his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. From out of it you are taken, you are dust. 
and to dust you shall return. And the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. And then the Lord God said, See, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out of his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Mark in the 13th chapter. It is part of what is sometimes called the Apocalypse in Mark. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of His disciples said to Him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked Him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, Do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines, but this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The news this week certainly does make it seem as if there are wars and rumors of war. The news from the last several days in particular has been challenging and troubling. It has been devastating to see the uncertainty and the the horror, the mayhem and the murder that burst forth in Paris within the last several days. Friday evening, I received a text, Jones and I actually both received a text from from a church member, from Jennifer McCoy. Her son-in-law was in Paris, and they had heard, but it was a period of uncertainty. He was locked in his room, in his hotel, but it was within one of the districts where the violence was breaking forth, and it made it real, seem all too real that through that kind of communication, we were taken there as well. And not just myself and Jones, but all of us through our connection with that family in this place, we were there feeling it in a real way. And it's not just in Paris this week. There were bombings in Beirut and Baghdad again, and devastation and destruction 
horror and mayhem, and it does indeed seem like there were wars and rumors of wars that were spreading abroad. And it is troubling and challenging and uncertain. And you have seen, I'm sure, as much as I have about the things that are going on in those different places. And we wonder, how do we make our way forward? How do we do the things we need to do? How do we attend to what we need to pay attention to? And part of the answer for that, part of the answer for that is to come and to worship and to offer our prayers and to extend ourselves in ways that we can spiritually, but also emotionally and through connections with organizations and friends and reaching out, doing the little things that we need to do, part of it is that. And so we come into this time, into this place to, to worship, to listen to Scripture being read, to offer our prayers, to sing songs, we do that. I chose the Scriptures for today several weeks ago, long before the events of the last three or four days, and yet somehow they do seem to have a particular power and a resonance for our situation in our world that we are in today. Genesis 3 is a passage that we have a lot of cultural references to. There's the apple, and there's the Adam and Eve, and there's that topic of sex. But there's so much more there that we can look at, that we need to think about. It's about really what is our purpose, and how do we manage to have how do we choose our preferences? You may have heard a motivational speaker or some sort of consultant at work talk about the difference between purpose and preference. And it's, it's real. We all have purposes and we all have choose preferences. Mr. Darcy is our family dog. He is a golden retriever, and he's a very handsome pup, if I do say so myself. He is 11 years old, so he's kind of gray around the muzzle. No comments there. But he likes to go for walks. He actually seems to live to go for walks. And when you uh, make like you're going to go downstairs and get leaped out, he begins to prance and jump around, and he's just so excited to go. And he is... 60 pounds of excited jumping around. So we go downstairs, we put on the harness, head out down the street, and he makes a beeline to do the things that he does on walks. Now, when you go for a walk on a street without a sidewalk, you walk on the left-hand side of the street because you're facing the oncoming traffic. And that is Mr. Darcy's preference to walk on the left-hand side, way over on the left-hand side, which is fine when you're walking on a sidewalk, when you're walking on a street and you're facing traffic coming towards you. 
But if you're on a sidewalk, if you're on the river walk, as we have been on any number of days, where there is no car traffic, pedestrians stay, we stay to the right. And the left lane is for those coming in the opposite direction. And should you happen to have a cyclist run by you, or even a runner sometimes, and you're not right over on the end, somebody will say to you, on the left, on the left. You know that? Yeah, I see some smiles out there. That's happened to you. Well, Mr. Darcy doesn't know what on the left means. And he wants to be over on the left. So his preference gets in the way of our purpose of walking. Our purpose is for exercise and for enjoying the outdoors, but his preference can sometimes create some problems. What is your purpose? What is your preference? What's the difference? What difference does it make? There's a saying that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth, an acronym which sort of plays around with that. And when we hear Mark's gospel today and when we think about our circumstances, maybe that's, that's true. There are some things that are there that are important. Yet, I also think, and not just myself, but other people think, that the Bible is not simply about preparation for leaving the earth. Another way of saying it is the Bible is basic instructions while living on earth. It's not quite the acronym, but I think it's accurate. Basic instructions while living on earth. In other words, how do we relate to God and how do we relate to each other? Genesis 3 that story of being in the garden speaks to how we relate to God and how we may relate to each other. There's a saying that you may have heard about prayer. It is that we are to pray with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in our, in our other. And today, it's an old saying. And today, we probably wouldn't just have a newspaper. We would have our computer on, and we would have our tablet going. We would be checking our messages. We might even be reading the Bible on one of those devices itself. The idea is that we have multiple inputs from data, multiple things that are happening in the world, multiple stories that we are listening to, but we need to pray as if or with our knowledge of Scripture and the story of God's love and revelation that comes into our mind. The purpose of Scripture, the purpose of Scripture is to provide testimony to God's work and power in the world. It's to give testimony to God's creative power in particular. From the very beginning of the account of Genesis, God creates a good world Genesis 1, after each day, God said the world was good. It was a good creation. Walter Brueggemann, who was an Old Testament scholar and theologian at Columbia Seminary for many years and one of Jones's professors when he was there, talks about this part of Genesis as, being, as describing how the Creator creates creation. 
The creator, God, creates, makes, forms creation, the world we live in. You and I, we are, the, we are creatures of God's creation. All too often, though, the creature wants to have some say over the creator. And that's what happens in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, it's easy to get caught up in the debate about Adam and Eve and did it really happen and all that sort of stuff. But we need to keep in mind that it's not about that necessarily. It's about this story of God creating creation and how God deals with us. What is the purpose of Scripture? To tell the story of God's power and love in creating creation. And as we do that, we find ways to respond. If that is our understanding, there is more to the story than simply a fact or a fable. It is a faith statement about our understanding of God as our creator. It is a faith statement about how we relate not only to God, but to each other. In the garden, the creature, the creatures, man, woman, and the serpent, attempted to recreate the creator. We stood it, we stood that relationship on its head, but it doesn't work that way. The account is not simply about all the buzz that we make it with our cultural references. It is about how the creature, the creatures, and you and I as well, disregard the Creator. Our human tendency is to insert our preferences for God's purposes. God's purpose is to invite us into a relationship of love and hope and grace. It is about how we are part of a relationship that is bigger than, than any of us. So how do we deal with that? What do we do with that offer? Do we accept it or do we reject it or do we, do, we, do we, do we ignore it? It is not, though, simply a one-time offer, one and done and that's it. It is a relationship, it is an offer that keeps coming back. Did you notice as you listen to the story, what happens? The man and the woman are turned out, for they, have cho they choose badly. They choose fruits of foolishness. But even in that, God provides for them. They had made for themselves clothes of, of, of leaves. But God, verse 30, in verse 21, God provided them with skins, clothing of skin. And God provided them a place to go. And God provided them a way to make a living, to keep their body and their soul together. God did that. God did not simply squash them or ignore them. God continued to want to have a relationship with them. God makes provisions for you and for me 
and for the whole world, even as we struggle. And that is a difference that is worth knowing, knowing the difference that God continues to offer us the power of love, the relationship of grace that comes through this. Yes, there is disobedience. And yes, you and I are part of that creaturehood. And yes, it is probably our preference to want to change the order. But there is fruit of goodness. There is the fruit of wisdom that there are ways forward. Our purpose is to celebrate and to participate in the creation that God has provided. Our purpose is to follow into that relationship, to live into that relationship. We may choose to ignore it. All too often we probably do. But that does not mean it goes away. It is there. And it comes to us in Jesus Christ. We may choose to live out our preferences rather than God. And we may eat a fruit of foolishness instead of wisdom. But the good news is God doesn't give up on us. God cares. God provides always. And we may return to that trust in God. Trust is the key. Trust in that good creation of God's. When I take Mr. Darcy out for a walk, I all the time have to deal with this purpose or preference issue. But I have learned over time that there is a way to deal with that. If I take the leash firmly in my hand and I guide him to be on my right, he will stay there as long as I move forward. He trusts me. He trusts that in that place where he does not prefer to be, he will be provided for and he will find what he needs. God does the same thing with us. God if we allow it, if when we trust God, when we trust God, God will place us in a place where we can fulfill our purpose and not need to indulge in any destructive preference. We are called to trust God. We still have our preferences, but the trust is there. What is your purpose? What is your preference? How do you choose to live in God's purpose? Thanks be to God. Amen.